As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Permission to Leap. This is a podcast exploring the stories of people who have brought their visions to life. Each week, I speak with an inspiring guest and navigate the process they took to take the leap in their own lives. Permission to Leap is the spark that will push you to believe in your dreams again and make them your reality. Today, we have a fabulous guest, Daniel Thomas Hind. He is the founder of Evolution Eat, a transform... Hmm. Always. I don't know why. Always. I just, you know, it's fine. All right, readers, listeners, rewind. Daniel is a transformational weight loss and lifestyle coach. He designed this to help overwhelmed folks solve their eating, food, and lifestyle problems. Over the past few years, Daniel has specialized in helping busy executives and high performers become more productive at work and in life by prioritizing their health and overcoming unhealthy eating habits. And here's the kicker. He's figured out how to make the process fun so that it lasts forever. Every week, tens of thousands of people read Daniel's material to learn how to use psychology, mindset, and healthy habits to live a more meaningful life. Hi. Wow, what an introduction. I, I, feel, mean, I feel very accomplished by that alone. I think that the podcast is complete after that. I don't have anything as you else. Should. <laughs> I have nothing else to add. No, I'm kidding. Hello. Thank you so much for having me today. It's a real pleasure to be here. I am super excited for our chat. Daniel and I connected a few months ago and I was like, yep, when I record again, I'm gonna have to have you on the podcast. And here we are. Yeah, well, you know, I thank you. One of my clients actually mentioned your old podcast and said, do you listen to yeah. it? And I said, honestly, I said, no, but I'm going to check it out. So I checked it out and then I reached out to you and I included, and I included you, I wrote about you in one of, in an article that I created for, um, right. for, uh, for like lifestyle and, and, and moms who were staying home and who, who wanted to prioritize themselves, which is who some of my clients are as well. And uh, it's just so it's so funny how the internet works, like how we can do this because somebody heard you, somebody who lives in Kansas heard you, told me about it. I reached out to you. I wrote an article about you and then 
you, we connected. And then three months later, we are doing a podcast together. We've never actually met in person. But Although we live in the same city. This is true. This is true. This is true. I'm in Santa Monica. Where are you? Downtown. You're downtown. Yeah. Cool. Those it's are basically... Like it's they're, like a similar city, but they're really like two different cities. Yeah, I was going to say, they're the same city, but we basically live on the opposite side of the country because I never make it downtown, at least not during the week. Yeah, and I never make it to Santa Monica, especially on the weekends. Ah. I went on a weekend a few weeks ago and I was like, right, I remember. This is why I never come here on the weekends. It's very tourist. It's very touristy around the promenade and everything for yeah. anybody, for any of the listeners who have ever been here before or haven't. Uh, Santa Monica is beautiful right by the beach. Uh, li I literally live two blocks from the ocean. And, um, but it's also, it's kind of like the, there are parts of it are like the Times Square of New York. There's a promenade uh, and uh, there's a promenade section in Santa Monica that's equivalent to that. There's also yeah. the big Ferris wheel and... Uh, catches a lot of eyeballs. And of course the sunsets, which is when I happened to be there and all the parking garages were full and I was like, oh, right, right, right. This is a thing. I have, I have successfully transcended parking garages. I have gotten rid of a car and I live an oh. Uber lifestyle. So it's very fluid, very flexible. I don't have to worry about parking. Again, for anybody who's not accustomed to, to Los Angeles, Parking is a part-time job in LA. You have to account for at least 20 minutes on either side of your trip because you just never know if you're going to find parking. And then the meters are such a hassle. The parking laws are manipul man manipulative. They're out to get you more than they are to actually protect and serve the citizens. It's yeah. a it's, it's a, silly. It's a it's a silly it's a silly thing. But anyways, nobody cares about that. <laughs> <laughs> Us <laughs> complaining about the LA lifestyle. So let's, uh, let's dive into a little bit more of your start story. Cool. How did you get started? Like, what was the thing that kind of catapulted you into helping other people live a more, you know, going from this diet to a mm. lifestyle kind of place? Cool. Well, I guess I'll start. I'll start with, you know, for me, this is personal. I, I didn't choose to be a coach. To be honest, I had no idea what being a coach even was. I, w I call myself a recovering academic. I, I went to a, I was basically trained from, you know, 10 years old to be, quote unquote, Mr. Success, traditional success, whatever that looks like. Uh, went to very, very, uh, very prestigious it's, I hate that word. Uh, high school in New York, went to Georgetown, was going to go to Georgetown Law, uh, removed myself from that after I got in because I knew that the world didn't need any lawyers and truly that just wasn't my calling. Um, but I, so I had been bred for that thing. And uh, after removing myself from college, I, <laughs> I called in my dark years. I just dipped into this really um, depressive and confused four or five years where I didn't know what to do with myself because I'd always uh, identify with being a success, but I never, I never defined what success meant to me. What, and so without having a clear definition, I couldn't actually pursue anything. So um, also being an academic, you're not trained to make choices for yourself. You're just trained to, to meet external demands. So uh, I, I really had no idea how to live a meaningful life, how to make choices for me that were authentic to me. Um, 
So throughout all that, the, those dark years, people, the one constant uh, in my life, the one thing that kept me anchored to um, like not completely <laughs> losing myself was my diet and my lifestyle. Uh, very simply, I eat and have eaten uh, a variation of the paleo diet. I call it an evolution diet because uh, paleo is now more of a branding term than it is um, representative of, of the original ethic. Uh, very simply, it just means eating what our evolutionary ancestors ate. And depending on who you are, what's important to you, what your, uh, what your goals are and where you're coming from, you know, you can, you, you change the macro nutrients and all that, but I'm not really focused on that. It's just a, an ethic of simplicity and going back to the basics. And so I kept that constant for years and years and years. And people, um, people were impressed, I guess, you know, because the, 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 the culture here in America is the, is yo-yo dieting where you're, you're on a diet and then you're off a diet and then you're on a diet and then you're off a diet and you might be successful, but for, you know, for only so, for so long, and then you fluctuate back and forth. And that was the one thing that I kept constant. So people kept asking me for support, if I could, you know, teach them, help them. And then the, the, it, it changed, everything changed one day when one of my friends asked me um, to coach him. And I said, I resisted. I said, sure, I'll put together an instruction guide for you. I'll give you like what my diet looks like. And he said, no, I need somebody to hold me accountable and to support me through the process because I know what I'm supposed to do, but for whatever reason, I can't get it right. And then he put money in my hand, literally, and that sparked an entire new relationship with myself. Um, the, suddenly, this whole idea of what an, like of becoming an entrepreneur and building building my own business based on something that I cared about for myself, that was valuable to other people. That changed everything. Um, and from that place, I just, uh, I, I went off. Um, and I spent the past four or five years building up this business and this practice. And I can talk about what I, why my perspective is a little different because it has to do with my childhood and it has to do with my relationship to food and eating yeah. and dieting that, um, that I think often gets lost in this entire conversation of weight loss and the fitness industry right. and all that, all that bullshit, to be honest. Well, and I think what's interesting, the, the thing, and who knows if you've made this connection, but you, like you said, had been completely bred to seek outside of yourself for this success, right? In academia. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you decided that, which, hold on, pause, is completely yo-yo dieting. Right. Yeah. Like that is yo-yo dieting. You are taught to look outside of yourself mm. and, and you're not given the tools, the mindset to do the inner work to actually like fill that hole. Right. Wow. And so here you that are, you had rejected yeah. this external stimuli thing and rejected it in one way, but it ended up translating into this whole other thing for you, which was the catalyst for your growth and trajectory. You know you're speaking to a coach when you get that sort of level of insight <laughs> on the fly. Like that is brilliant. And thank you for, and for connecting those two disparate ideas. I never actually fully made that connection. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's basically like what you do, right? It's, it's, it's transforming that external focus to mm -hmm. turning it inwards and doing the inward focus because that's the healing work, right? Then once yeah. you do that, you don't need you don't need a yo-yo diet. Right. 
Yes, a hundred percent. So when people, so it's so funny when people sign up to work with me or if they're considering working with me, you know, they think that they're, they think they're going to build healthy eat, eating habits because I talk about eating habits and not explicitly, explicitly about weight loss. So they know that it's a little different from that perspective that we're training habits and less focused on weight, that the weight is a byproduct of the habits, but they still think that they're going to sign up to lose a bunch of weight. And, um, that's kind of like the place that they start from. And what ends up happening often if they commit fully is that they get their life back. And that sounds profound, but it's, it's, it is profound because when you start coming from a place of um, looking inwardly and connecting with what's true to you and how, you know, for example, in, in my work, how you're using food in your life, uh, as a coping mechanism or as something to distract you from actually reaching your full potential. Um, and you really focus in on what that is and what your relationship to food is. What you're really doing is looking at what your relationship to yourself is. And when, when, you, when you dive into that and uncover it and get messy and then break through, and I'm, that's what I'm here to do is to help you break through to the other side, you can truly create anything. So whether it's, you know, whether it's food, whether for somebody else, whether it's, it's alcohol or smoking cigarettes or just or overworking, we all have tendencies and behaviors and patterns that we'll put ourselves into that actually keep us playing small and limited from breaking through to our greatest potential. And so like, I, I have one story that I, I love to share about one of my clients to perfectly exemplify what I mean about breaking through and creating a life of your dreams when you come to actually um, to transform relationship with your diet. Would that be cool to, to Yeah, to yeah, yeah. One thing quick I just want to note is that this same thing, like this this theme that we're talking about, for anyone listening, like if you're not having problems with this relating to eating, this same theme literally shows up. Like our culture conditions us to have these mm. habits of looking outside of ourselves. You know, like entrepreneurs, you go around and you buy all the like five steps to blah, blah, blah. Like, mm -hmm. I'm sure it's great for you to get those skills. And if you're not doing the inward work, you're never going to create what you want outside of yourself. And so whether or not you're having um, issues around eating stuff or food stuff, anyone that's listening, I want you to know that what Daniel is saying and what he's about to continue saying is applicable to your life in some way, shape or form. So Cool. Thank you for yeah. prefacing that. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. And, um, and so I want to tell you about, about Molly. Molly is an extraordinary human, but what I hope is clear is that she's just like everybody else. Um, and, and that's the point. So Molly came to me two years ago at this point, or maybe a year and a half ago, and um, she didn't have a ton of weight to lose. She had maybe 15 pounds, but um, she was addicted to sugar. And like it was showing up in all areas of her life. She, would con she was a school teacher at the time and she would constantly find herself snacking on food or thinking about snacking on, uh, or, on the candy and the cupcakes and all the stuff that they brought into the kitchen. And because there's little kids, there's always birthday parties. There was always um, sugar and candy and crap in the kitchen. And she was always, always finding herself between classes, going back, reaching for this, reaching for that consumed by this idea of I need this thing to feel something right like that dopamine hit that dopamine hit and then uh and then it just becomes a trained condition habit where she just goes back even if she doesn't want it she would just go back and go back and go back and she said I want to get hold of this I feel like I'm out of control and I don't want to live that way 
Um, so we, so to, without going through all of it, we worked together for about six months and she completely overcame the sugar. She lost the 15 pounds. And afterward, she came to me and she said, you know, kind of embarrassed, like, you know, she said, I know that this is going to sound silly, but what do I do now that the sugar is gone? And I looked at her and I said, well, I didn't, we actually, yeah, I did. We were on a Skype call and I said, well, what do you want to create? What do you want to create from this place? And I kid you not, in the next six to eight months, Molly completely transformed her life. One, she divorced her husband that she had been unhappy with for 10 years. She quit her job as a school teacher making very minimal uh, money in Chicago. And she opened up her own music studio. She had no idea about business. I coached her through the process. She opened up her own music studio and now has a full roster of students who she teaches every day. She became a business owner and an entrepreneur. So in short, after the sugar, Molly chose herself. And that's why I say that this work can be profound and whether it's your relationship with food or your relationship with something else, when you look at that and you break through, you can completely create whatever it is that you want to create in your life and reach your full potential. And that's the sort of work that I'm interested in. Yeah. I am actually reading this brilliant book right now uh, called Awakening in Time. And it's the journey from codependence to co-creation. And once we stop depending or relying on these, these things, whether it be sugar or, you know, sex, social media, um, Netflix, like I, other relationships with other people or whatever, like that's when the, the, uh, your ability to create actually mm -hmm. gets ignited. Like if you're constantly relying on someone else, you're playing the victim and it takes like responsibility and ownership of who you are, how you're showing up in the world, all that stuff to actually truly create the, at the level and magnitude that we're all capable of. Yeah. Well, and it's really scary to take total responsibility and ownership of your life, right? Because then it's all on you and you don't have those other things to rely on. And you and, can't blame anything else or anyone else or. Yeah. yeah and because, and truly because we live in a very privileged we live in the most privileged uh, time and, and place of human history being in Los Angeles during right now. Um, you're not trained to take total responsibility for yourself and your well-being. your well-being, like literally. And if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, your well-being used to be just basic physical wellness and health and safety, right? And like making sure that you're getting food and that your community is okay. Like that was the baseline. And you were trained to do that. Now, well-being means that you can skyrocket totally to self-actualization, but you're not trained how to do any of that along the way because, as hopefully my story uh, ex um, exemplifies, and, and, and there are a lot of people like this, uh, you, through the school system, you're just like taught to meet external demands and you're not really taught to look internally and follow what's true to you, which means you're not trained to follow your own sense of self and purpose and well-being from a very young age. And we have infinite access to everything right now, right? So we can get anything that we want that keeps us distracted from ourselves. And it feels really nice because it's that dopamine hit. Oh, like, it's, it's so good. I yeah, just took good. all my apps off my phone. 
because I found myself like turning to my phone and it wasn't just like to check something then I'd get distracted over here and all of a sudden Instagram would be up and then I'd be on Facebook and like all these yeah. things. And I'm like, how the fuck did I even get here? I, like I can't. I'm, and so I was telling a friend, I was like, I need to spend less time on social media. And he's like, well, you know, take it slow, like wean yourself off of it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, nope, absolutely not. <laughs> like it's complete. all gone. Yep. I had well, to keep Instagram, but the rest I, of went. I commend you. Uh, I'm not quite there, although I'm not a social, for, for whatever reason, I never grew up doing the whole social media thing. I just didn't think it was, uh, I didn't think that anybody would care what I was doing. And, uh, and so never got into it. And I, and for whatever, and I also don't really care what anybody else is up to. That doesn't mean like, I don't love them and I want to hear from them personally, but I just like, wasn't interested in hearing what people's status updates were. Yeah. So I never got into it, but now that I'm a business owner, it's like obviously very important. So I'm totally getting different. into all that now, but, um, but, uh, for, so I don't, I don't suffer from, <laughs> from the same thing that most people do with the, with the social media addiction, but it is real. It is very real. So let's go back to your story quickly. So you were in this place where you were super broken living in New York city. Like you basically kind of what only had your health mm -hmm. as like a really solid foundation. What was your transition then from being in this place of not knowing and using external stimuli to switching over to being fully autonomous and responsible for your life and creating things that you desired? Yeah. Um, whew, good Good, good question. So I, actually my story is a little bit more complex than that. I'm going to give the sure. quick <laughs> version as possible. Uh, so at, when I, during my lost years, I made my first big leap for myself by uh, quitting my office job and going to acting school. Apropos of nothing whatsoever, I wasn't an actor. I wasn't, uh, I, I had no ambitions of doing that up until I thought I had to do something wild and crazy. And so I trained as an actor for two years and that's what brought me to Los Angeles. I got representation and um, was gonna pursue that. And then deep into that, that first year in LA, I just hated it. Like I was like, I was living somebody else's life, not my own. And I was like, wow, I made the big leap and it didn't work. <laughs> like, like, like what the hell am I doing? So- Well, and it did. I know. Well, not that's the, in the that's, way that's, that, yeah, not the way that I thought. So yeah. I got to this point one day where uh, I just was feeling so dejected and, and lost that I said, you know what? I'm making a promise to myself where I'm not going to do anything other than what I really care about. Like fundamentally, I'm just going to do what I care about. I don't care if it has anything to do with my resume. I don't care if it has anything to do with my history, my past, the expectations. I'm just going to, or money making, like I'll work as a waiter if I have to, which I was actually, um, to make money, but I'm only going to do the things that I really care about and focus on that. And I made that promise to myself. And I also made a promise to myself that I was going to be, I personally was going to be the sole solution to all of my problems. And, um, and so a few things, I, so a few things started happening. One, uh, I started writing fiction, which is my, uh, one of my passions. And I grew up a literary nerd and I, I was an English major and all that. So I started writing fiction. That's within the same week, 
my first client came and asked me to coach him, you know, the universe delivered. I had no anticipation of that happening. And three, I decided to start meditating, which was a way for me to, um, to, to, to influence the way that I feel, uh, growing up depressed and, and all that I, I had, I'd been on, I'd been on medications throughout my early twenties and late teens. I, so I, I had been on all that and it wasn't working. And I made a promise to myself that I was going to get off of that stuff and I was going to be the sole solution. So I started meditating as a practice and I just treated that very seriously. And so all those things happened at the same time. And from that place, I, you know, I, I connected with myself in a way that I never had before. And I realized that living a life of ownership, and authenticity as like cheesy and cliche as those those words are now because they're such buzzwords but like when you feel into that which i had never felt before you really do understand that you can create whatever it is that you want to create um and i wasn't i wasn't a foreigner to working hard i worked my ass off all throughout high school and college so i knew what that was like and i liked that i liked working hard um i just didn't know what i was supposed to work towards uh for a few years and so when i connected with that everything changed and i just put myself into building out the coaching practice which started as a one-on-one practice um for three years and then the past few years i've been starting to put myself online and now doing a group coaching program and just building out the entire uh the entire vision so tell us more about your meditation practice like Mm -hmm. how what's the technique that you use or what what do you use it for what's your intention with it Hmm. cool so uh, i use the technique transcendental meditation tm and in la there's like some people make a culture out of that Uh, for me why i was drawn to it was because it's completely detached from spirituality and uh and um uh process like the only thing you have to do is sit down close your eyes and uh, repeat in your head a mantra that they give to you but you could also somebody else who wants to start right now could just repeat uh, a word or a sound in their head or focus on their breath and come back to that for 20 minutes I do 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening and um, what that does to me what that does for me is allow me to see my thoughts as merely, it allows me to detach from my thoughts. And what that means is I can see them as like passing objects that I have a choice to focus on or not focus on. And as somebody who grew up incredibly anxious and depressed, I would let my thoughts completely spiral out of control. And what you and I were talking about before we started recording was like, the idea of being an entrepreneur, you have to be thinking of what does your life look like in 60 years from now, but you can't live in the present moment and also be thinking about what's going on 60 years from now and everything in between or else you're going to be paralyzed. Like there's, there's no way to live outside of the present moment. Um, and so, my, so meditation is a trained practice to, um, to just help me see that my thoughts are merely passing objects that I have a choice to attach to or detach from. And that alone has um, come so much stress, so much anxiety. But also, again, we've been talking about putting yourself in 
like the sole position of authority and ownership for your life, it puts me back into myself, puts me back into myself. And it helps me just ever so slightly, slightly detach from how highly important anything can feel or how highly stressful anything can feel because like, it's all just a story that you tell yourself. And um, coming back to that practice day in and day out has made me more aware of those stories that I'm telling myself, more aware of when I'm letting my thoughts get the best of me and then empowered me to choose myself versus these thoughts. Yeah, I love it. So when you started with meditation, were you like just in it immediately, 20 minutes, twice a day, like that was your... Yeah, and the re- and so I was p- broke at the time, and I um, I signed up to go to the TM center, and it's like a four day process. You go for four days in a row. It's not it's not like a retreat. You go for like an hour or two hours, then you come back home and you meet with the teacher. They give you your mantra. There's a group, so you have to talk about it with the people who are also going through it. And I, again, I don't think that that's necessary for anybody, but. For me, it made it a commitment that's bigger than myself. So I like had to pay money if that was like $1,000. And at the time, $1,000 was a lot of money to me. I did not have $1,000. So I paid that money. I had to go four days in a row. You had the accountability of, of the group and the, and the, and the trainer. And um, after that, I was just, I, I just knew, I, you know, I just, when you're in alignment with yourself, you just know when something when when you need something and when it's right and you, get, you just get out of your own way and it became second nature quite immediately and I was yeah. and I felt also a tremendous sense of relief from doing it and transcendence when I first started I mean I would oof, warp off somewhere else it was my first time um, really connecting with something bigger in this universe beyond just my own ego and personality. Yeah, I think that's actually a really important part of habit building is because, you know, when we're habit building and say we wake up one morning and we're like, mm, I don't want to meditate, like you're making it about you. And really, you know, for me, any habit, any devotion isn't about me. Like, yes, I, I put my physical human body into the space of that, but it's not about me. And so the more that you can tap into that bigger purpose that big your your why your Mm. underlying reason your underlying drive and motivation that's what can help kickstart you into actually doing the habit rather than letting your comfort zone get the better of you and talk you into staying small i love that because what i work with um with all of my clients is building a morning routine and it often has nothing to do with their diet or 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 they or like directly related to their their weight it's about starting the day one on your terms doing something that's important to you and only to you but also that's committed to a purpose greater than yourself so that when you don't want to do it or when that ego or personality comes in and says but i'm tired i could use the 20 minutes more of sleep or whatever it's a commitment to something greater and beyond that um helps you integrate into just this whole energy of life uh and flow and it's kind of like it's i I call it training flow into your day it's like when you're playing if you're if you're a musician and you're playing music and you just you keep going at it and you're you go off and you're riffing somewhere like you enter into this flow state where it just takes you away from yourself and you, you your personality disintegrates right and you just become this thing and so 
I think of a morning routine or the or meditation specifically as a possibility to get into that and to train yourself to be a part of that, to integrate into that at the beginning of your day every day, because that necessarily will have huge effect on the way that you relate to yourself and others and um, the patterns and behaviors that you express yourself with throughout the rest of the day, food yeah. and, and diet and, and those sort of choices included. I'm a huge proponent for the morning routine. I write about it extensively. Like I'm, and of course I have taken it to the extreme because I, I'm a Taurus and I do those things. I have a three hour morning routine and man, I just, that is like my time. Are we going to do a battle of the morning routines right now? Oh, can we? We have oh, a few yeah. minutes. Can we, can we, can we, I'm going to put my, I'm going to, it's, it's Daniel's morning routine versus Bree's morning routine. <laughs> who wins? We can even ask your audience, whose is more? <laughs> well, I I'll do a tweet about it. <laughs> okay. Who's, whose morning routine is more epic? Okay. I'm going to start and then you go. So as I said at the beginning of this conversation, I live in Santa Monica. I live two blocks from the beach. And so every morning I wake up at 445. Oh, uh, you win already. No, I run down. I run down to the beach. Uh, I have to run over Pacific Coast Highway. So it's about, a, it's about a mile to the actual beachfront or about 0.7 of a mile to the actual beachfront. I run down to the beach. I sit down in front of the water crashing before me. Uh, it's still dark. I meditate under the stars, under the moon. And then after that, I jump in the freezing cold water. And let me tell you, it is freezing cold in December. Uh, I jump in the water and I splash around like a little kid and I make, you know, the most ridiculous gestures and, and, and sounds, I'm sure. Uh, I just connect with that primal, ah. And then after that, I run home and uh, shower in very warm water. My feet at this point basically are falling off. Uh, I shower in warm water and then I have about an hour and a half to two hours of uh, no tech time, no no, no outside distraction, and it's just my time to write until I boot up at 9 a.m. and start interfacing with my clients, and I nice. do that every day. Nice. So mine's a little more free-flowing. I, uh, <laughs> I get up at 6, and of course, the most important part of my day, uh, I feed the cats. Of course. Because they don't let me do anything until they are fed. So that's step one of my day. Then I put on my, my pot of tea and breakfast is actually a huge part of my morning routine. I love breakfast. It's just the best meal of the day. And there's something about nourishing myself early in the morning. And I sit my entire wall in my living room is a window. Mm. And so I sit in the window with my cup of tea and my breakfast. I give my gratitude. I um, you know, get really excited for the day. I'll often read over my breakfast. Um, and just really kind of like sink in. Usually Peaches comes and sits on my lap. It's a little family affair. And then, uh, and then I start asking myself, like, what do I need? What do I need for the next two hours of my life? What do I need? And oftentimes I'll go walk two miles around Echo Park. I will run a hot bath. I will get my coloring books out. I will do suspended yoga. I will like, and, and maybe it's a combination of both, you know, or a few things. I usually turn like music or solfeggio tones on the Bluetooth speakers that I have in my apartment and I just kind of let it unfold and I let it flow and, I, you know, similar motivations though. Like it's my time mm -hmm. to like fill my cup. Like that's my 
uninterrupted, not distracted time to like take care of myself. Yep. Because I spend so many of my so much of my days taking care of other people, right? Mm -hmm. oh, and yeah. not taking care of them, but like, you know, my clients' needs come first and emails and then every you know, people are pulling yeah. at my time and my energy and my attention, and this is my time mm -hmm. for me. And um, it's interesting. I've started playing with like what this is going to look like. One of my girlfriends is like, be careful what you wish for because I've been actively like talking to my future husband and all these things and like calling in his energy. And she's like, you be really careful because like that's going to fuck up your morning routine and you better like you're going to need to know it going into that. And I'm like, you know, it will all work out. It's all going to be great. But like she's like, be careful what you wish for. I'm just like, I'm just warning you. <laughs> Yeah, well, and you're trading fluidity and flexibility into your mornings as well because you kind of go, like, you have that time for yourself, but it can be fluid in what, what you need in that particular day. And I love yeah. that. For me, it's like, I, if I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, then I get so scattered. So it's like, that's my routine. I have to make it happen or else yeah. I'm going to be distracted by something. So I just know what works for me, but I love... That's, yeah. you just said it, that's the most important part. And this right. is what I train into all my morning routines as well. Like, yeah, if you want to start with someone else's system, start with it and see how it feels for you. It may help you to have an idea of where to get, where to start. But if it doesn't work for you, then you have to let it go and you have to figure out what works for you. Right. So I started off using the Miracle Morning and Hal's mm. very like, 10 minutes of this, 10 minutes of this, like it's very much a rigid structure, but I'd yeah. wake up like three minutes late and be like, well, can't do my morning routine today. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's just, you know, you have to know yourself well, if you need that structure to like motivate you to get up and do it, then build it in, do mm -hmm. it. If you yeah. don't, if that's constraining to you and it feels icky, have more flow with it. Like, but you have to know yourself yeah. to know what you need. Yeah. And to impose some sort of, um, constraints right so that you're not completely free flowing like for example for you you have your time like you know what your yeah. that's your time to do whatever so maybe that you know for to start maybe that means for somebody who's used to waking up and checking their phone first thing uh and being led by that world of external stimulations and external demands maybe that just means making breakfast and not like not doing nothing like no routine other than being in their own home but not using the phone, right? Like not going to the phone. So making breakfast, not being beholden to the outside world, just carving that time for yourself, right? So it can be very flexible and fluid and you can start wherever you are right now. A lot of people think, oh, this morning routine has to be some three hour practice or you have to right? go jump in, the, jump in the Pacific water when it's still dark out like a lunatic, right? In order to be meaningful. And that's not true at all. Sometimes just with some of my clients, they only have five minutes because guess what? I'm a single bachelor and I don't have anybody else at home, but some of my clients are, you know, successful executives and they have a wife and, or a husband and they have three kids and like, they don't have all that time unless they were going to wake up at two in the morning. Like it's just, it's impossible. So yeah. giving yourself what you can, if it's a five minute journal, it's for 10 minute meditation. If it's just going outside on your porch with a cup of coffee and looking up at the, at the moon or the stars or whatever, whatever that means to you, it's all allowed. And it's the consistency of doing it that provides for the breakthrough. Because if you're sh consistently showing up every day and doing that, then you're proving to yourself, I'm the sort of person who can do this for myself. Like I'm the sort of person who, who really cares about myself that I'm going to carve five minutes or I'm going to carve 10 minutes. And that trains a confidence within you that over time, 
you can actually start to apply that to other areas of your life. It ripples out and you can now do that with anything. And it, it builds up this uh, belief system within yourself that you are coming back to what I said, the sole solution to all of your uh, problems, but also to the creator of your future. Right? So uh, that's, that to me is why it's so important. It just trains that confidence that you can truly do anything. Um, and everything I believe is, a learned habit and a trained skill and that takes some time and attention and that's okay the most important things in life do take time and attention and effort despite right? what we're told and taught despite what we're taught which is which is right for the, the quick fix solution oh you want that you want to lose 10 pounds in two days great we'll just take this pill or do this thing you know seven day this 30 day that it's like come on this is your life we're talking about and that's why I treat eating healthily, living healthily as a lifelong skill that you develop and practice over time, over your entire life, in fact, because it's not like you're on a diet and off a diet. Your diet is an expression of yourself, right? And so, so long as you're alive, you're always in it. You're not on and off. You're always in it. We tell ourselves, oh, we're on it today. We'll be off, we're off today, but we'll start again tomorrow. No, you're always on it. And if you treat it from this long-term perspective, this is a skill that I'm developing and practicing, then I believe you can, one, be a little bit more gentle with yourself, two, see how it's an iterative process and you don't have to be perfect at the beginning, and then three, have fun with it. Just like when you learn a new instrument and you get better, and you got to practice to get better and you invest in your mistakes versus shy away from them or hate yourself or judge yourself because of your mistakes. When you invest in your mistakes and you break through and make those little breakthroughs week after week after week, you love, it's so exciting to get better at something and to experience yourself improving along that growth curve. Right. And so that's, I love that's the sort of, that's the, so I say that eating healthily, living healthily is a skill that you can train. It's just like learning how to play the piano. It's the same process. Yeah. I love problem. that analogy because we, when it's about us, we make exceptions, right? We, we tell right. different stories when it's about us. So giving it like a tangible, I like that a lot. Well, thank you. This, this was so been much great. Uh, yeah. I, I know. Like, I keep I, watching the clock and I'm like, we could go, we could keep going. We, we could. could go forever, but I feel like we got, I think we covered a lot of exciting, uh, we got a lot of energy out there. We, we're good. When you get two coaches on the phone, it's just like, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. <laughs> so true yeah well yeah. thank you daniel i so appreciate it tell people where they can find you totally so you can find uh me and my company is called evolution eat e-a-t evolution eats two words together into one word evolution um you can sign up for my newsletter and all that there all the information is there we're launching a six month group coaching program uh, this month, although depending on when this is coming out, it might already be available, which I've been working on for the past year. And I'm so excited about that. You can sign up for a call on the website as well with one of my staff if, to see if that would be interesting to you. And I want to make this, uh, this offer to your, to your audience, to so anybody who's listening and really resonated with, um, with what we were talking about today and they just want some one-on-one -on -one support or attention or you want to tell me about yourself or is there anything that you want support around, please reach out to me personally at daniel at evolutioneats.com and just put the title of the podcast in the subject line and uh, either I or my assistant will filter for that and I'll definitely respond to you. I really mean that when uh, there's nothing like being able to connect with somebody who understands and uh, 
And so I want to make that offer. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. I will put all that in the show notes. So anyone that wants that didn't get a chance to write that down, just go to breeseely.com, click on podcast and, uh, all of the details will be in there, plus a few tweetables from Daniel. I've been taking notes as we've been chatting. We got some good ones, got some good sound bites. So uh, to all our listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us uh, for this fantastic episode. Of course, as always, if you're looking to take your next big leap, go get my book, Permission to Leap, on Amazon. It's a bestseller. People like it. You know, you should read it. It's awesome. Um, I read it. Uh, you, and I'm, 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 I've been, uh, telling all my clients to read it too. You guys have to read it if you haven't at this point. It's, it's Brie is an amazing person and, uh, and she has much wisdom to share, much wisdom to share. Thank you. So if you're listening, find a takeaway from this, find some way to implement this in your life. Remember the world needs you. We need you. I need you. We all need you to be living an inspired life and making a difference in the world. So go kick ass. I will see you all next week on Permission to Leap. Uh, Much love. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.